Good morning, City Hope. How's everybody doing? Hope you're having a good day. Good. What an amazing day to be in church, right? This is a blast. Um, I hope everybody else is having fun at Mobile, Baymanette, and Foley. Uh, the guys in Holman, man, it is great to have you guys in church with us today. What an awesome day to be here as we kick off this series, Summer at City Hope. Um, real quick, first, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we've got 350 campers and counselors going to kids camp tomorrow. Um, that's a lot of people. So over 250 of those are just the kids. Um, so over 100 counselors and campers and um, I mean, counselors, so you guys, this week, please be praying for those groups as they go. Um, it's going to be an awesome week of life change. And then, of course, pray a little extra prayer for those counselors, because that's a lot of kids. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> My goodness. Um, and then, of course, today is Barefoot Weekend, and I know you guys are all barefoot. Um, I couldn't go completely barefoot because my feet are ugly. <laughs> They're just straight up ugly. There's just no other way of saying it. So I've got in, in light and in honor of our summer at City Hope here, I've got popsicles on my feet. Um, just thought they'd be kind of fun. Oh, look at there. Hey. Yeah, I don't even know. Um, so yeah, popsicles on my feet. So it is summer at City Hope. It is barefoot weekend. We are having a blast already. We're going to have some Kona ice. I don't even know what everybody's having everywhere. We got after parties at every campus. It is going to be a blast today. And actually, Barefoot Weekend started about a month and a half ago. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we did a race for hope, a 5K race about a month and a half ago, and we raised money, you guys, because of your generosity, man, we raised money to provide shoes for, um, for kids at a school in Honduras. And so that's what the whole race was for. We raised a ton of money, um, and you guys are so amazing. You actually raised more than we needed. Um, and so we did some extra stuff for the, for the kids of Honduras. Um, and so real quick, I want you to take a look at this video. Uh, Pastor Jerry went down about a week and a half ago, and he actually got to distribute uh, some of the shoes. So I want you to check this out and just see what your generosity was a part of. Check this out. City Hope, let me take you on a journey. I'm currently in Honduras, a little community outside of San Pedro Sula called Shaloma. And here we're going to start the process of not just distributing the shoes to the children in the school, uh, but we're also we're going to actually take off their old shoes and put the new shoes on. An incredible experience, and we had a lot of fun with it, so I think you'll enjoy this. Because of the success of the race, we were able to do several things here in Honduras. So in this video, you will see uh, some of the other projects that we're able to do because of your participation in the 5K race. So enjoy. City Hope, here's another project. In March, when we were here with Compassion International, we met Pastor Johan. He pastors this church. He also has a school. Many of you sponsor children at this school. One of the needs is to build a playground for the smaller children. 
He has 300 and something students in this school. They feed them, and there's no place for them to play. So we're sowing, and as you'll see, we're sowing a seed offering to help them start this playground. And uh, we're really excited about what they're doing. It's just a phenomenal school. So there again, thank you for your generosity. We're able to help this project get off the ground. Thank you, City Hope, all of the sponsors and all the runners in the 5K. You guys, because of your hard work and your generosity, we were able to even come out to the refuge. This is an orphanage outside of San Pedro Sula. All the kids here received not only a new pair of shoes, but also a school uniform and, like I said, a church clothes that they can wear to church sometimes. So these girls are all excited, and they're thanking you, and now they get to go all dressed up to church and find a boyfriend. pretty cool right here here are a pair of those shoes which I gotta say are pretty cool shoes right these are pretty awesome there you go getting a little shot let me turn them there you go just incredible shoes that um that are made right there in Honduras and then we were a part of the distribution of that and I can I just say man what an amazing number one our the heart of our pastor right that just transcends into everything that we do um, what a beautiful, beautiful video of just seeing his heart in action. And then this is, this is our church, man. This is what we're all about. Generosity is active. We believe it. We say it. Uh, we live that way. And that's the reason Barefoot Weekend is here. That's why we do this thing. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and kick off uh, Summer at City Hope. This is part one. Um, and, you know, summer is fun, right? I mean, that's bottom line. Summer is just a whole lot of fun. I, you know, every single year it never fails that my kids, one of the two girls, will ask me, Daddy, when does your summer break start? Right? Because that's just what they think. It's like summer. It's just fun. Everybody gets off. We just have fun. We just, you know, we go to the beach. We take road trips. We, we go to the water parks, right? That's what summer is. That's what summer is all about. And fortunately, those of us that work don't quite have that luxury, right? Um, but the kids don't know, man. And some of the greatest things that I remember growing up happened during the summer, Happened in a car, right? Driving across country or driving to grandma's house or driving, you know, wherever where it was just so much fun. And so we thought, man, summer at City Hope needs to have that feel. It just needs to be fun. We just need to talk encouraging things. We need to, we need to have fun together and laugh together and just have summer together. And so of all the things that I could think of that kind of embodied summer, I thought about the, the summer road trip. Just the incredible summer road trip, man, where you just... You just get out on the interstate and you just drive. You just go. And, and those fun times that we have, right, in, in a car. And I know they're not always fun, but that's what makes life life, right? And so we thought, man, how could we learn our Bible more through the summer? How could, we, how could we learn a little bit more about God's Word? And so I thought, man, what if we could take a summer road trip 
with some of the characters, some of the heroes of the faith. You know, because it's on a road trip where you just, you open up about life and, and stuff and you laugh a lot. And it's just like life kind of comes out. Well, what if we could kind of ride on a road trip with some of our heroes and kind of learn some life lessons? Like what would, what would the heroes of the faith tell us about living our faith out right now? You know, in Hebrews 11, there's a passage that talks about um, how all these, he- these heroes of the faith, these giants of the faith, they're watching us. They're cheering us on in this great race that we're in. You know, what if they could come down and what if we could just have a chat? We could, what if we could talk life with them? What would they tell us? You know, I think the Bible is full of what they would tell us. It's just we got to look for it. We got to see it. And so this weekend, I want to kind of open this up with probably one of my favorite characters from the Bible. I want to talk about the Apostle Paul who is just absolutely, you know, is one of the most famous characters that there is. New Testament, just this incredible um, missionary church planner, this guy that did so much for the kingdom. Incredible things, but he wasn't always that. You know, a lot of us know that kind of his story. He started as a man named Saul, and he was very religious, and he was a Pharisee. And as a matter of fact, he kind of said that he was the most Pharisee of all Pharisees. Like, he followed all the rules. I mean, he did everything to the, to the 11th degree. I mean, he went over, over and above. He went, he went completely bonkers over this religion that he had, every rule, everything. To the point that after Christ had died and he had ascended, Saul began to persecute the church of Jesus. And he began to literally travel from town to town. He would persecute them and he would put them in jail. He would stone them. He even, he even oversaw the death of one. And this was Saul, and then literally God got a hold of his life. And we, a lot of us know this story, right? Where God got a hold of his life, knocked him off a horse, literally knocked him off a horse, changed his life forever. God changed his name to Paul. And in that moment, he became a missionary. He became an innovator, a pioneer. He took the gospel into places that no one ever dreamed to take the gospel. Because of his influence, the church exists today, in my opinion. Because of what he did, because he wasn't afraid to go outside of the Jewish people, but to go to the Gentiles and begin to spread the gospel to other nations and other cities. Man, he was a bold thinker. He was brave. He was a little crazy. And he went and he did these incredible things. And a lot of the New Testament are his writings. Because he would go and he would plant these churches and and after a time, you know, he'd stay there for three months or six months or maybe two years. And after a little bit of time, he would write them a letter. And he would, that's how he would stay in touch is he'd write letters. And he would correct them that way. He would encourage them that way. He would educate them that way. And so a lot of the New Testament are his letters to these churches, most of them. And so I want to kind of point, kind of talk about one of them today. Because I think in our day and age, if we could take a ride with Paul, this is what he would want to tell us. Because the book of Philippians is an incredible book of the Bible. It's only four chapters long. But for the most part, we kind of call it the happy book. You know, because it's, it's, there's more happy language in these four chapters than in any other book of the Bible. He talks about happiness. He talks about joy. He talks about giving thanks. He talks about rejoicing over and over and over again. But the interesting thing is, is that Paul is in prison while he's writing this. He's chained to a Roman guard 24-7, on lockdown, cannot go anywhere, cannot do anything. But he, yet in that moment, in that place, in that circumstance, he writes the happy book. 
He writes the book of joy. Listen, now this is not Paul's normal temperament. This is not the normal way that Paul writes. He's normally very, very matter of fact. He gets to the point. He is, you know, he's a leader. He's a man's man. And in this one, man, you see just a different side of Paul. Where he's encouraging this church to, to live a life of joy, of happiness. In the middle of the circumstances that you're in. Philippians 1.20. Paul says this to the church at Philippi. He says, on the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known. Regardless of whether I live or die, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. One more. I think we got one more. Right? Life versus even more life. Life versus even more life. I can't lose is what Paul says. He says life versus even more life. Listen, he's in the worst possible circumstance. He's surrounded by guards. He's surrounded by the worst thing in the world. And yet he says, why won't I be happy? Why can't I be happy? Why can't I live a life of joy? Because the gospel is still being pushed forward. The gospel is still advancing. The gospel is still happening. So there's joy in my heart. That your church is good. These churches are flourishing. We're preaching the gospel left and right. And I look around and I go, man, God's church is good. God's church is growing. The influence of his church just keeps expanding every week, day by day. The, the expanse of the kingdom of God is growing. Why wouldn't we be happy? And that's what Paul says. He's like, man, no matter what you're up against, be happy, be full of joy. So I think in our current state and where we are, if we could sit down with Paul and say, hey, teach us something, I think he'd have a list. But I think top of his list would be like, listen, no matter your circumstances, you can be happy. No matter what you're up against, no matter the problem, no matter the, the person, no matter the situation, you can be happy. And I think this would be the lesson that he would want to teach us today. You know, in our world, a lot of the decisions that we make come back to happiness. They circle back around to us trying to be happy. You know, a lot of the things that we buy, a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the things, the decisions that we make ultimately come back to us chasing happy, us pursuing happy. You know, we think that just by buying something new, it will give us a sense of happiness. And it does for a moment. You know, it does for a moment. But whenever we want a new body, right, we chase happiness into the gym. Whenever we want, you know, a new look, we chase happiness into the plastic surgeon's office, right? Whenever we want, a, you know, a bigger TV, we chase happiness into debt, right? Whatever it is, right, we're, we're just, we're looking for that next thing. And it does it for a moment, there's a moment of happiness. There's a moment. There's maybe a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, but eventually, because it's not real happiness, it doesn't last. It doesn't stick around. And here's Paul. He's saying, hey, right here, in your circumstances, you don't need all this stuff. There's another way to be happy. The problem with the way we seek happiness is that it's not in anything else. Here it is, right here. Happy can only be, f be found in one place, in you. It's not in anything external. It's not in anything else that we can add to our life. It's only found in you. The problem is, is if the you in us is broken, right? If the you, in, if, if the real us is broken, then it's hard for us to have happiness. So we just keep adding stuff to our life thinking that that's going to fix the problem. But it never does. It never does. Because happiness doesn't come by getting something new. Happiness comes by becoming someone new in Christ. Listen, 
Listen, God, yeah, go ahead. All right. Listen, God infused this joy gene inside of you. It's there. But when you become new in Jesus Christ, it comes alive. And there's a happiness that no matter what's going on around you, you can find and you can live in. And Paul has done this. And so he's talking to the Philippians and he says this in chapter 4, verses four, uh, verse 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always. He says, I'll say it again, man. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I love this word always. Right? Because it literally means always. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, and in the American, it means always. But we don't get that. We don't even understand that. You know, because the air conditioner just went out in my house and I got to replace that. How can I be happy in the middle of that? How can I be happy in the middle of all of my kids have been sick and we're passing it around for three weeks? And it's like, what the heck is going on? How can I be happy in that? Right? But Paul says, no, 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 always. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, you can be full of joy. And I love, too, that this is a command. This is not a suggestion. Paul doesn't say, hey, it'd be a really good idea that if you want to have a good life, then you should be happy. No, he says this is the only way. He commands us always be full of joy in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. The only place that we can find happiness is in God. The only place that we can find happiness is in him. Um, a couple of years ago, um, my oldest daughter, Bella, she was probably five or six. And um, every single time we would go down to the beach, we'd go to those little surf shops, you know. And all those surf shops have um, cages of hermit crabs. You know what I'm talking about? And hermit crabs are just weird little creatures anyway. But, um, but so it got on this little thing where every single time it was like we, she was going to beg and plead and beg and plead. And you know the whole pet thing, right? I promise I'll water it and I'll feed it and I'll do this and I'll do that and Every single time we go, the, the, the thing would just grow, and it would grow, and it would grow. And before long, we had weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it was, you know, please, Daddy, this is, I want this. This will make me happy, right? This can be Christmas and birthday all rolled into one. I got it all, right? I mean, it's just, I mean, I felt like I was being mugged at one point. Like, it was like, just, you know, you just kind of keep going. But I was like, no. That's right. No, kid. Right? I'm going to stand my ground. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the. I'm the somewhat leader of this house whenever she lets me be, right? But I was like, no, I'm going to hold my ground. Well, eventually what happens? You give in. I bought a stinking hermit crab. And they are creepy little creatures. They crawl at night and you hear them. And it's weird. It's like creepy thing. So anyway, so in this moment, daddy was not happy. Daddy lost all happiness, completely all of it. But Bella was extremely happy. Well, the problem is, just like we all know, they stop feeding them and they stop watering them and they die. So daddy was happy again. Mm. It's cool how this thing just kind of goes around, right? So all of a sudden, boom, daddy is happy again. Um, Of course, you know, Bella's not. Listen, we did the full-on funeral, backyard, suit and tie. I had to say some words. We sang Amazing Grace. Um, we needed some bagpipes. That was the only thing that was missing. Um, she literally brought like 15 stuffed animals out and she sat them on the steps of the porch. It was sweet, but I was so happy. Oh man, that was the most joyous funeral I've ever done. Okay. But here's the thing. A lot of us, a lot of people think that God is in the way of happiness. 
A lot of people think that God is what stands in between us and what's going to make us happy. That God's all about rules and regulations and hoops to jump through. And the last thing on earth that God wants you to be is happy. He wants you to follow in line. He wants you to obey. He wants you to jump through this and he wants you to do that. He wants you to cross your your T's and dot your I's, however that goes, right? He wants you to follow all these rules and regulations. He doesn't want you to be happy. But listen, God is a happy God. God created joy. God created happiness. And he wants us to live in that. He is the happy God. He's not the thing that's opposing us, that's keeping us away from happy. It's interesting because I think whenever people think, man, I really need to get my life together, they think about church, right? Whenever I, whenever I want to be good, well, I'll, I'll think about church. Whenever I, you know, I, I, I want to be holy, they'll think about church. But whenever they think about being happy, they think about Krispy Kreme. Right? Whenever they want to be happy, they think about the beach, or they think about the game, or they think about something shopping, they think about something completely different. It's like we've separated holy and happy. Like they're two separate things, but God is a God of joy. God is a God of happiness. And he wants us to embrace that, and he wants us to live in that every single day. They're not opposing forces. Holy and happy are together. God is a happy God. There are hundreds of scriptures in the Bible that talk about happiness and joy. There are even three in the Psalms that talk about God laughing. Have, can you get that picture in your head? Because I know a lot of us think of God as this mean old man, right, with a cane and he's just waiting to smack us on the knuckles. Not me. Right? Like that's what we think. Like that's our mental image. But yet there are verses where it talks about a happy God. It talks about God actually laughing. There's a verse in 1 Timothy 1.11 that says this. A few translations translate it this way. Sound doctrine is in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the happy God with which I have been entrusted. This word happy here in a lot of your translations is going to be blessed. It's only used a few times, but it could just as easily be translated as happy. Happy. God's a happy God. Nehemiah 8.10. We've all heard this before. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We always think that it's the joy that God's going to give us is our strength. No, no, no. It's the joy of God himself that is our strength. It's his joy that is our strength. Right? Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy. Right? Those are all fruit within his Spirit that he wants to produce in you, in your spirit. All through the Bible you see this, man, that God is a God of happiness. God is a God of joy and he wants you to live that kind of life. He wants you to embrace it in the circumstances wherever you are right now. God is not the barrier to happiness. He's the answer to happiness. He's not the thing keeping us there, but he is the answer keeping us from going there. But he is the answer to happiness. So if we were riding with Paul, I think he'd tell us a couple different things. And he does. In Philippians 4, he lays out very clearly how we can have joy. And he gives us some very practical steps. We've read, we've kind of read the beginning of that, of always having joy. And then he says in in verse 6, the very first part of it, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Man, Paul just loves these big words, doesn't he? Right? He, He just, he loves that. That don't worry about anything. Hey, nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So today I'm going to give you two habits for happiness. Two habits straight from Paul. We're riding in the car. He's giving us some life lessons. Number one is simply this. Number one is replace worry with prayer. Simple, right? The problem is a lot of us, we have a habit of worrying, and we don't even know that we're worrying. 
Like worry just kind of kicks in like a bad habit would, and you don't even know that you're doing it. And the next thing you know, you're just, you're down some rabbit hole of worry and fret and eventually fear and doubt and all these things that all just begins with a little bit of a worry. You know, I'm worried about the state of the country. I'm worried about the election. Right? I'm worried about what's happening overseas. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about what I'm eating because every other week there's a new food that's bad for me. Right? I'm always worried. What, 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 what can I do? What, how can I live? What can I do? Right? And this, this thing of worry. And Paul says, no, no, in everything, in anything, worry, no matter what you're worrying about, stop and replace it with prayer. Stop and give your whole heart to God. It's this, it's this really cool thing because it opens up your perspective. Because when you worry, you know, you worry about your finances, you're riding down the road. Start worrying about your finances. What if you just were to stop and go, wait a minute. My work is not my source. My bank account's not my source. My portfolio's not my source. God Almighty is my source. So what if I just stop? I'm going to quit worrying for a second. And God, I'm going to give this all to you. I'm just going to believe that you want what's best for me. Your word says it. I believe it. You called me. I'm a son. I'm yours. So God, I'm just going to put it. Man, bless me. Help me make good decisions. Give me wisdom and bless me in this. What do you do? You immediately take your perspective off of you and your problem and you put it on God, your source. It's a super simple thing. The problem is worry. How many of you guys remember that old game, hot, uh, hot potato? Remember that? Right? You set a little timer and you got the potato and you throw it around the room, right? And, and you try to get rid of it as quick as you can. The problem is it always comes back around. It always ends up back in your lap. So we have to embrace and start a new habit. I think this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying there's a new habit that you have to establish. That every single time worry pops into your mind, every single time worry pops into your heart, you immediately replace it with prayer. And listen, it doesn't have to be, let me just set a definition for prayer. I'm not asking for some ornate, biblical, you know, crazy prayer. You can straight up give us a Ricky Bobby prayer. I mean, it can be as simple and just Talladega Nights on this thing, right? Just Ricky Bobby, that thing. The point is, you're getting, you're getting off of you and you're putting your hope in him. The focus is, is you're going, no, 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 this is not what I need to be thinking about. I need to be thinking about how good my God is. I need to be thinking about how right he is and how much he loves me. No matter what's going on, you know, this election thing. Right? I know this is, as these months begin to roll, we're gonna, you know, there's going to be lots and lots of crazy stuff, even more crazy stuff hitting the news, right? And all of this, what does it do? It just creates anxiety and it creates worry in our hearts. You know, because what everybody wants us to do is they want us to put our hope and our faith in a candidate. But what we have to do is put our hope and faith in God. So when we have these fears, we have these worries, what do we do? We go, God, there's not a whole lot that I can physically do about this, but you can do anything about this. You know the plan. You know what's up. You know what's coming. You got our back. And we're just going to believe it. We're going to trust that you have us. You have a plan. You know what's going on, right? We take the fear and we replace it with, or we take the worry and we replace it with prayer. The second habit of happiness is to find the awesome in your life. To find the awesome in your life. Because the very next part of this verse in Philippians 4, 6, and the second half of it says this. says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Thank him for all that he has done. It's impossible to be ungrateful and be happy at the same time. You ever thought about that? It's impossible to be ungrateful and happy at the same time. Seeds of depression cannot take root in a grateful heart. 
When you live a grateful spirit, you live a grateful attitude, you're constantly grateful for what God has given you. Depression and all these things cannot get into you. You will be happy. And you're thinking, man, there's not a whole lot of awesome in my life. There is awesome in your life. I promise you, you just got to look for it. You got to find it. You got to turn your eyes on to be able to see the awesome in your life that God has already put there. I, I came across this list I think it's kind of funny that this guy put together where he was kind of finding awesome. Um, and, and this is just kind of funny, but these are pretty awesome. Um, when the social event that you didn't want to go to anyway gets canceled, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Especially for the introverts. Am I right? Okay. Right? I love this one. When you crank the lawnmower on one pool, awesome, right? Just one pool, man, it's like money, bam, right there. All of a sudden, you feel like a man, like I just own that thing. It's awesome, right? When your guests do the dishes, even though you told them they don't have to, awesome, right? Awesome. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When, you eat, when you're eating a popsicle and you get down to that last bite and you know, it's like, do I eat on the, you know, I go top or bottom and I eat off top and then the bottom falls off, but it doesn't. And I get to actually eat that last bite of the popsicle. Am I right? It's awesome. Because when it hits the ground, you're like, well, then I might as well throw the whole thing away. That was pointless. Ridiculous. The last one. When your wife says, you're right, honey, I'm sorry. Awesome. It only happens about every seven years when the gopher comes up, sees a shadow or something. I don't know. But it's pretty random. But when it happens, it is awesome, right? Like write it down, take a note. I'm like, can you say that one more time? I need to record that. Can you, let me, let me get that on, on record, please. I need to be able to replay that later. <clears throat> there are awesome things in your life. I'm forgiven. Jesus Christ forgave me of all the boneheaded things I've done, right? Jesus Christ loves me. We live in a free country. I have a family. I have a home. There are things that I can be grateful for. I have this amazing church that I'm a part of, right? There are awesome things in your life. And if we can live according to that, just going, man, God, thank you. Thank you for putting these people in my life. Thank you for putting these things in my life so that I can be closer to you, so that I can know you, right? It's having a grateful heart constantly, all the time. It's so easy to see the bad. It's so easy to see the negative. It's so easy to compare. You know, I wish I had what they had. I wish I could get a hold of that. I mean, there's nothing that kills happiness quicker than comparison. Wishing that I could get a hold of that, or I wish I had that, or what, what if I could get that? Man, it, that, can, that literally kills happiness. Be grateful for what you have, for what God has given you. I heard a story a few years ago about a guy named Charles Plum who was, a, um, he was a, a fighter pilot in the Vietnam War. And he was shot down, and for six years he lived in a POW camp. Um, he was freed, and then he went on tour, and he kind of began to teach and kind of lecture at universities about his experience. And after one of these things, after one of these, um, these lectures, he was at a restaurant. And a man walked up to him and said, are you Charles Plum? And he said, yeah. He says, you don't remember me, but we were on the same aircraft carrier together. And he said, and the day that your plane was shot down, he said, I distinctively remember because I was the one that signed and sealed your parachute. He said, I packed your parachute that day. And of course, Charles Plum's like, oh my goodness, you literally saved my life. He stood up, he hugs his neck, and he's like, man, I can't believe this. This is incredible. 
He walks away and he says later, he says, that wasn't necessarily what changed my life. What changed my life was the realization that he was a fighter pilot and this guy was just a sailor. And for years he had passed him in the halls and in the underbellies of that ship and never once thanked him for packing his parachute. Never once this invisible person in his life that was just there that ultimately saved his life and it changed everything. So I asked, you know, maybe the most easy, the most tangible way that you can immediately be grateful is to begin thanking the people around you right now. The people that are packing your parachute that you don't even know. The people that are blessing your life that you barely even understand. The people that are in your heart, in your life, that are there, that are pouring into you, you don't even know. Who are the people that are packing your parachute that you can begin to thank right now? This is kind of funny, but a couple years ago I saw this kind of interchange happen at a restaurant. There were several Coca-Cola delivery guys sitting around a table eating lunch. And this lady walked up to him and she said, she said, thank you guys so much for what you do. She said, man, I couldn't live without my Diet Coke. <laughs> True story. And I just thought, and they chuckle, they laugh, she just smiles and walks off. But I thought, man, how often does a Coke delivery guy get thanked? Right? Like, how, who are the people in your life that are providing those kind of things that sometimes you just need to go, man, thank you. Like, it's huge what you do, and I've, I don't even take the time to stop and thank you, but today I want to. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. Right? It's in that place, man, seeds of depression cannot grow in a grateful heart. We can truly be happy whenever we are grateful. All right, the last one is this, and I'm going to have to kind of, I'm going to breeze through it. I know I said two, I'm giving you a bonus point. Create moments of happiness for others. Sometimes the best way to create happiness in you is to create happiness for somebody else. You know, some of you guys will kind of recognize this. Anybody recognize this? If you're unfamiliar with this, you need to get on the interwebs. Okay, because about two weeks ago, a viral video blew up that was all about this little Chewbacca mask. It's hilarious. It's kind of dubbed Chewbacca Mama, I think. So if you want to go search it and find it, it's absolutely hilarious. But it's very simple, man. This lady, this sweet lady, she went and bought herself this mask. And what's funny about this mask is when you put it on... And you talk, his mouth actually opens, and he makes the chewy sound. See, listen. Okay? So here's the thing. So she comes out of the store after buying her mask, and she sets up a camera, and she begins to record herself. And she's kind of giving it, she's talking about it. So she puts the mask on, and for the next four minutes straight, she laughs at herself with a Chewbacca mask on. It is hysterical. It is so funny, and I've watched it over and over and over again, but it's just the simplicity of this mask. She just laughs and laughs and laughs, and she's got this amazing personality, and she's this bright person, and she's just laughing and laughing and laughing. Here's the power of happiness. There was a family last week that was at a hospital in South Florida with their terminally ill kid, their child. And one evening, while they're in the hospital, they're doing tests and all this kind of stuff, they come across this video, Chewbacca Mama. And she wrote in this blog post that for 45 minutes straight, they watched this video over and over and over and over again. And while Candace, the lady in the video, was laughing and smiling, for those 45 minutes, this family forgot where they were. They forgot the situation that they were in. They, 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 they just, the, the, the power of happiness just took them to another place and they immediately they were a family again, 
right? Immediately, all of a sudden, the wrist wasn't on the armband. All the, I mean, the wrist of the armband wasn't on the wrist, right? Immediately, this, like, this whole thing just opened up and changed. For 45 minutes, just happiness filled their hearts. And, man, in the, and I read that and I thought, man, that's us as believers. We walk out of this place and we should be full of God's happiness. We don't need a Chewbacca mask to do that, right? Smiles are contagious. Happiness is contagious, Right? We can walk through life just being happy, smiling. And have you ever noticed whenever someone smiles at you, it's nearly impossible not to smile back? Right? And it changes something in our biochemistry actually changes and it, it brightens our mood. It changes our life. What are the things that we could be doing in our everyday life to bring happiness to someone else? To just think differently about it. You know, what we're doing today, Barefoot Weekend, you see all those smiling kids. Right? We're bringing happiness to somebody else. You know, our hope for this church is to be literally the happiest place on the planet. That every single person, when they come into this place, they feel the joy of God in this place. So you know what? Maybe, maybe something that you can do is come be on the team. Come jump on the team and help us be the happiest place on the planet. You know, maybe there's something in your life that you could do that you could begin to infuse joy into someone else's heart. Because here's the thing. Shared happiness isn't divided. It's happiness multiplied. Shared happiness isn't divided, it's multiplied. That's huge. Whenever we give happiness away, it's multiplied in our own life. And, we, and you know that's true. Anytime you can bring joy to someone else's life, man, it just makes your day. It just changes your world completely. Right? Whenever we can pour in and we can create happiness for other people. Um, I always think my girls, man, they're so funny. Anytime they're in a bad mood, I can tickle the old tickle monster can come out and I can change that mood in just a matter of minutes. I can turn that thing around. And you think all the people in our world, all the people that you run into on a daily basis, they're battling, they're fighting, they're struggling. Your smile could be exactly what they need. Your happiness, your joy could be exactly what they need to bring them out of that funk, to bring them out of that disaster, to bring them out of that circumstance and to let them see the hope of Jesus Christ. In the very next verse, Philippians 4, 7, it says this, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It's there that you experience peace. It's in that place of happiness. It's in that place of joy. That no matter the circumstances, I still have peace because of Jesus Christ. Because I live in him and I'm confident in who I am in Jesus Christ. As I wrap up, let me give you one more scripture, because I'm way out of time. Philippians 4, just a few verses later in, in, in 11, says this, Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my, my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. It's in him, it's in Jesus Christ that I can truly be happy. And, the, and those of us that are believers, those of us that know him personally know that to be true. It's just us beginning to make daily decisions to line up with that and actually live that thing out. Because it is so easy to get sidetracked, am I right? I mean, it's so easy that worry and doubt and fear and anything else can get in our way and can steal that happiness. But listen, nothing can take that happiness away. 
but you can give it away. You can let it go. You can walk away from it. But if you're changed, if you're new in Jesus Christ, then it's in you. It is there. If you choose to let it go, then you made that choice. But you can choose to walk through every single day going, I am new in Jesus Christ. I have the peace of God in my heart. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be full of joy. And I'm going to let the world know. I'm going to show the world just how happy I am. Through my smiles, through my words, through my encouragement, through my my grateful spirit, I'm going to give everything I can to make people happy. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that today we have been challenged to live differently, to live happy and joyful lives. Lord, I pray that we walk out of this place and God, as a part of this church, we are being generous today. We're, we're giving shoes. We're doing incredible things. And we're going to go out and we're going to laugh with friends. And we're going we're to have some fun. We're going to enjoy the after party. But I pray, God, that nothing will rob this word. God, that happiness is for us. Joy is for us. God, you want us to be full of joy. And as we walk away today, God, I pray that we uh, decide to be full of joy. That we make the choice today. God, to live confidently in who you've called us to be. Who you've, who you've destined us to be. Lord, we give you our heart. We give you our everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.